Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Spartans. It is Wednesday, April 22nd. The year is 2020. I am your host, Will Hunter. I am joined by my dying to see Roger Goodell in his basement co-host, Matt Sheehan. Oh, man. Yeah, I am. <laughs> but we are, we're we're going to be deprived of one of my favorite traditions in sports, and you know what this is. It's what? everyone booing him to smithereens. Like, that's... Not true. I... Not true. Is this right? You didn't. You didn't hear the reporting. I've been completely offline all day today, seemingly. I guess. Um, I think it was Schefter, if not sorry, whoever reported this. It doesn't really matter, but uh, somebody reported they will be piping in virtual booze. Really? Yes. Oh, that's big time. I love that. Like, you know what? Wow, good yeah. on Goodell. There's there's one time to get some like easy, fun PR around him, yep. and oh man, he did it. Good for him. All right. All yeah. Right. They're going to throw up the alley-oop. You might as well finish the dunk. I mean, that's it's easy. Dang. Slam dunk. Okay. Well, good. That That's good. You talk about a return to normalcy. That's yeah. big-time normalcy <laughs> people, right there. All right, that's good. The people need to hear Roger Goodell get booed. <laughs> yes, in his own house. <laughs> we will yes. heal. His, his wife's going to come downstairs, just stick her head down into the frame and start booing him. That would be incredible. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, on today's Watch show. Watch out for the car. Sorry, I heard a car behind you. Got yeah, it's, you know, the street, it's right there. I mean, we're set back a bit, but that was a lot. They need to, they got a hole in their muffler. I don't know. It's Yeah, it happens. On today's show, Matt. Yes, Will. We are going to talk about a huge, 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 huge rule change in college football. I feel like uh, that was a kind of a little oversell, but who am I to take over? Uh, yeah, <laughs> perhaps the biggest rule change in the history of college football. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. We'll, yeah, we'll go along with that. <laughs> uh, Michigan State basketball is seemingly, depending on what time you listen to this, either on the precipice of adding or has just added a recruit for the 2021 class in Pierre Brooks. We will bring in Dave Klein. A friend of the show, new friend mm-hmm. of the show. Well, friend of the show, but new first-time appearance on the show. New voice, yes. New voice on the show to break down his commitment, what he is as a player, how he projects, all that. Uh, we already recorded with him. Really good insight there. That'll be segment two. And then segment three, we've got some NFL draft-type listener questions uh, that we're going to get to that are you know Michigan State-related to the NFL draft. So, that's the plan for today's show. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked on Spartans, Matt, wherever you mm. get podcasts. Oh, we do this oh, nice. every single day, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Woo, nice. Good intro, Will. You did it again. Woo. Uh, nice. Potapalooza as well this weekend. I'm on it. Potapalooza supporting uh, the people that are fighting COVID, suffering from it. We are raising money. Potapalooza Giant Podcast Festival. Uh, I will, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to tweet out how you can get tickets to uh, that and pin it as well. Uh, Potapalooza, a little podcast festival that I am taking part in as well this weekend. Okay. All right. It is time to start today's show, Matt. Yeah, what a big tease you had here. Perhaps the the biggest rule change I have ever seen in college football. Wow. Doubling down. It is official, officially official. Mm-hmm. That college football players can wear the number zero. <gasps> no. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no. Wow, shit. 
shoot. That's big time. That's, that's big. huge. I God, when I was a kid, I was wanted to wear the, the number zero. So good, good for these guys to be able to wear the number zero. We could I have a able. year. We could have a year at Michigan State where the number one makes its glorious return, mm-hmm. and the number zero is tagging along with it. Yeah, I am. Yes. I don't know about you. I am a big numbers guy. You are yes. Yeah. Um, is it Jake or Jack Olson? Did we ever figure that out? No, of course not. Uh, I think it's Jack. I'm pretty sure it's Jack, actually. Yeah, Jake. <laughs> Jake is the blind uh, long snapper for um, uh, USC. Remember him? Yeah, of course. Yep. And yes. uh, Jack Olson is the kicker at Michigan State. Yes, Jack Olson is the new freshman kicker, um, and I believe he wore like number 86 or something like that, if I remember it, correctly. It was a hefty number. Yes, it, it was. So. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of obscure, weird numbers. I think that's one of the cool things about college football is you'll see someone like Derek Brown at Auburn wearing number five at 325 pounds, and you're just like, that looks incredible. Mm-hmm. He just he, That number is not big enough for that man, uh, and you don't get to see that as much at all, really, in the NFL. Um, no, not at all. And that's just fantastic. And I think there should be a rule. You have to be above 300 pounds to wear the number zero. Wow, okay. All right. I was going to go on a way different note. Like, you got to be a speedy slot receiver to oh, wear no. number zero. But, okay, wow. You got to be a speedy slot receiver to wear number one, generally. Um, or, you know what? Number one's a big downfield receiver, right? Yeah, yeah, like a big yeah. play guy like Charles Rogers. Like Charles for Rogers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's who's going to wear uh, number one. No, n- number zero, I think, has to be like a nose tackle. Someone hefty. Okay. Like a Naquan Jones sort of guy. Yeah, you know? oh, if Naquan right. Jones, on the entire roster next year, uh-huh. if Naquan Jones could wear number zero, like he would be my number one pick of anyone on Michigan State's team to wear number zero next season because he's 330, 340, like he's a big dude. Yeah, oh yeah, he's hefty. He's um, have to be. Is there anyone with this? I don't know. I'm kind of, you know what? Like, now that I think of it, I'm going back to Jarrell Worthy. Oh. And just imagining him rocking a zero. Yeah, I think I've switched from thinking that it should be a speedy <laughs> slot receiver in. to someone that, that's got some heft on them that is just barreling through offensive lines. Yeah, I kind of I, I like where you're going with this here. Yeah, Jarrell Worthy's a really good one. I was thinking, um, and this idea is a little bit more recent, so that you had Raekwon Williams, 99. Mm-hmm. And next to him, you had Mike Panishuk. If you had Raekwon at oh, 99 man. and Mike Panishuk wearing zero as your two interior defensive tackles, wow. um, that would have been an absolutely incredible look. And imagine Panishuk scoring that touchdown in the pinstripe bowl at his number zero. Oh, that's the only way the touchdown would have been better. That's, <laughs> that's that, I, I, I didn't way. think it could get better, but that's the only way. Yeah, <laughs> it would. Big old zero. Yes, it absolutely would have been better. Um, yeah, that's that's my I, my number one nomination. My pocket aces is Mike Panishuk rocking number zero next to Raquan Williams last year. Although, if we can get a word out to Naquan Jones to get number zero on that dude, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm all about it. And whoever's like, so they're switching to a kind of a three-four hybridy multiple defense, but they're going to be in in the three-four and they're going to use a nose tackle at different times. Um, I'm all for kind of. <laughs> The inverse of Devin Gardner wearing 98 and that being the jersey to wear. Or I guess it's yeah. similar to LSU, like someone who always wears... It's number one at LSU, right? 
I think so, yeah. I think it's number one. Yeah, you know, there's special uniforms at uh, at different colleges. Number zero for the big nose tackle at Michigan State should absolutely become a thing. And I think the closest we got to that, because what Malik McDowell was, I believe, four. Um, Will Golston was also pretty close to this, too. He, he was a big wrecking ball, too. Just think of Jarrell Worthy with a zero and then a two. He yeah. got like people numbered like like a receiving <laughs> core coming at you. That would be I don't know. That that'd be kind of a little bit more electric than it already was back in the heyday. Malik Malik and uh and Big Will were too uh defined. You know, yeah, both, okay, I mean Malik fair. played the interior, but he looked more like an edge defender. Mm-hmm. Um longer, leaner, you know, more of a get up the field and move kind of build. Whereas I want zero to be on someone who's who's working hard certainly, but not moving very far, not running sure. a lot. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you know what? You you've you've persuaded me as Have you I do. You you? You, you you do this often. <laughs> yes, and, and you did it. Dang it, you son of a gun once again. Yeah, <laughs> zero belongs to the defensive line. No, he's got to get the word out. We got to get this trending somehow, somewhere. <laughs> Either that. We'll try our best. That or like center could work too, but I think there's rules for on offense. I think you have to be because it's an eligible receiver number. So I think on mm-hmm. offense you can't do like a, a big rump of a center would be a great number zero as well. But I think overall nose tackle number zero is is the best route to go. Yeah, it is. It is. All right. Case closed. Shoot. Case closed. Um, there are also other rules, but. I don't not really as care about that. Come on, no, yeah, no I mean, nonsense. Players ejected from targeting or for targeting don't have to leave the game anymore. Um, yeah, so that's good. Uh, I'm, I'm like yeah, on that rule. Yeah, that's, there's that's some fine. tweaks to the end of the game review and officials meeting with coaches 90 minutes before the game instead of 60 minutes. So the big one and the only important one is number zero and. Yeah, we need to get the big the, dudes the, wearing number zero. The big story of, of the day, yes. Yes. All right, we'll pause here. We'll come right back in just a second and talk with Dave Klein about Pierre Brooks and his either recent or impending commitment to Michigan State. All right, we are super excited to be joined now by somebody who knows more about basketball recruiting and recruits than either Matt or myself Dave Klein, you can find his work at Wander Spartan. He is a phenomenal follow on Twitter. Uh, if you want, you know, in-depth breakdowns on prospects and recruiting, and, and he's, you know, super knowledgeable, really follows this stuff uh, and does a great job with his basketball breakdowns uh, at Wander Spartan. Dave, how you doing? Thanks so much for making some time for us. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I'm uh, pumped to be speaking a little hoops in the quarantine, so thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Credit to Matt for thinking of it. Um, I was like, yeah, as soon as he texted me, that was like perfect idea because depending on what time you are listening to this, uh, one Pierre Brooks, a shooting guard recruit, uh, 6'5", 180 out of Douglas Academy in Detroit, Michigan, uh, has either already committed to Michigan State or is hours away, we think, from committing to Michigan State. It seems pretty uh, rock solid right now. So we wanted to bring you in to talk about this. Let's just start kind of broad here. Tell me a little bit about Pierre Brooks. What type of player is he? Where is he uh, in rankings? And just kind of what kind of guy is he from a broad sense? 
Yeah, so he's rated on 24-7 composite at 96. In my opinion, I think he projects probably closer to like a top 60 to 70 type kid. Um, extremely physical build already. He's not one of those guys that's going to come onto campus and you have to worry about getting into a weight room program. Um, I think he's just kind of an instant impact kid the moment that he comes into school. Uh, extreme power finisher at the rim. Um, I have some clips on Twitter where he's just finishing with two feet, one hands with authority. Um, he has a fluidity to his game as well. Um, it kind of belies a man his size to be able to do some of the things he could do. Um, this season, he ended up averaging 23 points per game, seven rebounds, three assists, and two steals. 17 games, he averaged over 20 points, um, and he ended up having two games where he had two 30-point games. So a guy that can go get you a bucket at all three levels. Uh, really like the shot mechanics. He has extremely uh, fluid form. He sets his feet, squares his shoulders. Um, as I said previously, he can finish at the rim, and then he actually has a nice little mid-range game too. So all around just an extremely exciting offensive player. I think he probably projects as being able to play either the two or the three spot. Um, and I think that he can probably guard two through four just given how physical he is. And so given all that, that's obviously a strong list of strengths to have. Which one or two of those excites you the most when you're watching film on him? I would say his ability to finish at the rim well above it. Um, and I really like his shot-making ability as well. Um, he's a guy that I think is going to be able to shoot in the high 30s, low 40s in college. Um, and he's a guy that when he gets out in transition is going to be a lot of fun to watch finishing above the rim. You had tweeted out something um, on, I think it was Tuesday, either Monday or Tuesday, uh, just about Brooks and how he is kind of a typical Izzo three-ish, maybe four-year guy who is someone who's going to come in and be a really good player, but has a ton of room to grow and get better and is going to be sticking around to do that, right? He's not a one and done, but he's someone that you as a program, the way Michigan State operates, you kind of lock him in, get a guy like that in, instead of chasing after you know a top five, top 10 prospect. Can you just sort of take me through your mindset in that and it kind of expand on that a little bit more? Absolutely. So I really like the mantra that's been adopted by the program the last couple of years is the OKG, the R kind of guy. Um, everything that I've heard from this kid that he's an extremely hard worker, that he's a good student, that he's a class kid. Um, those are the types of program kids that you want to have in. Um, he has NBA upside, in my opinion. I think that um, obviously there's certain things that he can work on defensively, which obviously Izzo is going to ensure that he gets the proper tutelage. Um, but all around, he's a guy that I think has, you know, that three to four year NBA upside. As I said, he's a bread and butter type guy where you're going to get him into the program. Um, I'm looking at the roster for next year. And frankly, if they don't end up landing Cree Mane, um, you know, if somehow Brooks could reclassify, he'd be a guy that I think could come in and play 15 minutes a night right from the get go. Um, I really am that confident in his ability to come and contribute to the roster really early on. Um, and I just think all around, you want to build a program for, with a guy that's going to be around for a while. Um, Izzo has always done better when he has three or four upperclassmen in the rotation when they're trying to make a run in March. Um, and so while Max Christie is obviously a very intriguing prospect, I put out some film on him today. Um, just a really fluid shooter, super exciting. 
Um, you don't hesitate to take a guy like Pierre Brooks because he's going to pay dividends um, early and often throughout the years at Michigan State. And with Brooks most likely committing, it's not official yet, but uh, that would leave one scholarship open officially for that class. But you think that they could go for even two more on top of this, making it a three-man class, even though two scholarships are open. Do you care to dive into your thinking on that uh, a little more? Yeah, so we have two open ones for sure. Uh, Kareem Mane, if he was somehow committed to the 2020 class, um, is a little older of a guy. He's 19 now. I think he would turn 20 in the next year. Um, he has NBA aspirations. I would be surprised if he didn't just be a one-and-done type kid. Obviously, Henry is starting to blossom. I think that his upper-class year, we're going to see him maybe flip a switch. Watts could be a guy that just explodes next year. Um, so there's multiple guys in that regard who could possibly dip a toe into the waters and not come back. If XT returns, we're going to have true – uh, centers, a total of five on the roster between Bingham, Marble, Kithier, Sissoka, and him. Uh, I would be really surprised if there wasn't some attrition in the big man given uh, his return, which is possible. And then I think if you look and see some of the NCAA talk about immediate transfer eligibility, um, given the way that the season ended, um, it's very possible that there could be roster attrition anyway. So I think that the program's probably recruiting two to three spots um, for me, the point guard spot is probably the one that is next domino to fall. If Brooks ends up committing, um, there's certainly a little bit more of an urgency around the program, given that they only technically have one spot. Um, for me, that would really be a hard push at Jaden Akins. Um, he's a combo guard, but um, a really exciting prospect, and we can get into him at some point maybe down the road. Uh, he drops his top five or top seven, however they do it now. Um, but all around, I think the push is probably towards him. Um, and then you see if maybe you have another spot open somewhere down the line and a guy like Max Christie wants to commit. Um, I think that you give him the commitment and you figure out the roster spot later. People always like uh, comparisons, right? We love comps. If you had to pick on the MSU roster right now, or maybe even like you can stretch it back a handful of years as well, uh, who does Brooks remind you most of? And you can do like if you want to do a combo of some people like, uh, you know, who when you watch his game, who do you see him becoming at Michigan State? Honestly, uh, when I watched it, I comped him as Josh Langford. And I think he's probably a little bit more athletic finishing around the rim than Josh. Um, his lateral quickness is not anything that's going to jump out at you, but he makes up for it by being a little bit more physical. Um, he can use leverage to get to his spots. Um, I, I, he likes that mid-range jumper, which obviously Josh did. Uh, Josh was a career 40% three-point shooter. I think that Brooks can project towards being that. Um, and their games just kind of remind me a little bit of each other. And obviously, um, you know, Josh – didn't quite live up 100% to the billing throughout his time as a five-star. Um, but we really got to see, um, you know, what he could do from shooting-wise. And I think Brooks is going to be able to give you that as well. And just to go back to Aikens really quick, I think I read somewhere that Brooks and Aikens will be AU teammates, perhaps. Do you know anything about their relationship? Not, not to, I'm sorry to throw you on the spot if this is something you don't know at all but do you know anything regarding brooks and akins and how they no um, i i okay. do sorry about that i no, do know good. that they were supposed to play on the family aau team this summer together 
Obviously, given yeah. the, the situation, I don't know if AAU is going to be played at all this summer. Um, but I believe this was going to be the first year their teammates. I'm not sure if they played gotcha. last year or not. So um, I think, if anything, the Brooks commitment would help the potential Aikens commitment down the line. Cool. And I believe Aiken is crystal balled right now to Michigan State, but recruiting is recruiting, as we like to say on our show, and who knows what will shake out with that. And like you said, maybe we'll get a top five or seven or something uh, soon from him, another top player in the state of Michigan. He is Dave Klein at Wanderer Spartan, W-A-N-D-E-R-E-R Spartan, Wanderer Spartan, like he's wandering around. Um, Dave, thanks so much for the insight. Uh, We really appreciate uh, you making some time for us. Uh, Good info on your inaugural visit with uh, Locked On Spartans here, and we hope to uh, catch up with you down the line, okay? Thanks again so much for having me, guys. Have a good one. You're the man, Dave. All right, thanks again to Dave for joining us. Great debut on the podcast. We hope to uh, have him and his insights back on the show in the future. Um, We are going to take a quick pause here, and then we'll come back in a second, Matt, and we will discuss... Uh, Some listener questions as it relates to Michigan State players and the NFL draft. Okay, let's open up the mailbag, Matt. Let's crack it open. Let's crack Crack it open. open. Reminder, you can email questions lockedonspartans at gmail.com. You can tweet them at Matt at Sheehan underscore sports. You can tweet them at me at will underscore underscore hunter one l two underscores you can dm us send us tweets whatever um and we are going to do a better job i promise i've already started it of maintaining a living document so that we do not lose questions like we are sometimes liable of doing look at you getting organized over there someone has to be yeah so we've got a couple questions here uh they're from good guy rick on Twitter at, uh, I think it's the MMA pig or something like that. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> from good guy, Rick, who I, I recognize uh, occasionally popping in and out of Twitter threads and, and things like that. Um, but a couple of good questions here. He asked six questions. Uh, I think we're just going to grab two of them, Matt. Sure. That works for me. Yeah. Um, so a few NFL related ones. We'll start with uh, between Josiah Scott or Cody White, who could have benefited more from another year at MSU, considering talent departures slash uncertainty on both sides of the ball? That is a great question. Um, I think it would be, oh man, perhaps Cody White, and that is not the answer I thought I'd give you a month ago. I really, really? thought I'd give you jo- Josiah Scott. Yeah, I do, because I think Josiah Scott's knocks are what, his size, basically, right? That's, I don't yeah, think that's that why was it's a home run for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, yeah that, that's why I don't think that Josiah Scott could have benefited from another year coming back to state. Whereas Cody White, and we talked about this on episodes, oh God, uh, months ago, about, yeah, he is who he is as well, but maybe he could have benefited another year from being the guy. Because you look around at the receiving core, it is a very young core. Talented, but mm-hmm. man, he would have been the alpha dog in that receiver's yeah. room. And maybe you get another season, maybe you get some more tape out there. Maybe Right now it's not looking good for him. Let's just shoot everyone straight right now. Um, I don't think he's getting drafted. Late seventh round, best case scenario, unfortunately. But you, you get one more year, you get some more film out there. It, it doesn't hurt, I suppose. Yeah, I think Josiah is good. He is what he is um he's always going to be five foot nine 
you know, he's 21 or 22 years old now. Like he's, he's done growing. Um, and that's his biggest knock and that's what is going to, you know, he's a sub package player as a rookie. And then you, you know, grow into a, a consistent role and maybe, you know, just with the way they play in the NFL now, three defensive backs, three corners on the field, um, at the same time happens a lot. So I think he's going to end up being a productive, uh, NFL player, pretty much a starter, but I don't see how he could really jump his stock up that much when everyone kind of looks at him and is like, yeah, he's not ever really going to play on the outside. Um, those are the corners that get taken higher or the guys that can do that. Maybe, you know, we could jump up to the end of the second round or early third round or something like that. Um, but not much more than he is right now. Cody White, I think, could have come back, been the lead guy, um, had a productive year, and put himself into a spot where, you know, Aaron Burbridge-like, um, Benny Fowler-type senior season, we're like, okay, yeah, we can take this guy in the sixth or seventh round. And at the very least, she's going to get a year or two and we'll see what we got. Whereas if you're going as an undrafted guy, you really got to, you know, it's an uphill grind. It's always better to be drafted because you're that coach's guy. You're that coordinator's guy. You're that GM's guy who they invested a draft pick on and you just get a longer leash and more opportunities. So I think Cody White could have eventually ended up drafted. Uh, drafted. I thought he would when he declared, but just obviously going through the process, you look at it and you're like, yeah, he's kind of like the 30th receiver in the class. And it, it could go both ways. Maybe somebody really likes him and grabs him in the seventh round. Um, but he could definitely be an undrafted guy. Whereas if he stayed and had a really just productive year, you know, that kind of thrusts you into the spotlight a bit more. And like we saw with Aaron Burbridge, it, you can just end up being a fifth or sixth round pick because you had a really uh, outstanding last season in college. Yeah, well said. Yeah, good question. That, that's a that's a strong one to start with. I gotta say. Do you want to next talk about Matt Seibert and Mike Panishuk, or do you want to talk about next year's draft class? We're gonna do Ooh, one of these questions. Give me the Seibert Panishuk one. Really? Can we do both? Maybe. Yeah, that's good nuts. All right. <laughs> I'll keep my answer short for this one. Um, am I crazy to think Matt Seibert and Mike Panashute could stick to an NFL team as an undrafted free agent? Um, No, because didn't Matt Sokol hang out with the practice squad for quite a bit last year? I think he was with the Chargers for more time than you would think. And uh, Garrett Selleck had the wildest NFL career that I could ever <laughs> remember out of an MSU guy that I did not think would last a week in the NFL. This was upwards of like nearly a decade, essentially, with the 49ers. Um, so Matt Sokol's on the Lions. Oh, he is now. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I thought he was bouncing around from uh, like practice squads or something he, like that, which yeah. is a paycheck. It, it gets done. Yep. So he, uh, Chargers, Jaguars, practice squad signed a reserve future contract with the Lions uh, at the end of last year. Good for him. All right, there we go. I mean, sorry, it's got to be the Lions, but hey, you know, it's something. Um, <laughs> so I like the, the NFL is so weird when it comes to like practice squad and free agent, undrafted free agents, where you get on a team and you get some injury luck or bad luck depending on how you look at it like you could be on the field all of a sudden in week 12 just hanging out just like trying to get some NFL film out there for yourself so what do I think it'll happen not necessarily I I don't even though I thought they were great players at state um could I see it sure the the NFL like god it's just a rotating turnstile of players mm-hmm. coming in and out off practice squads week in, week out. I mean, so yeah, ho- hopefully they get their 15 minutes of fame and grow it into something more in the NFL, definitely. I mean, 
they were a lot of fun to watch at state and hopefully they can be fun to watch in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, I could see it happening maybe more likely for Mike Panashuk because I think he's more of like you can bring him in and you kind of know what he's going to do and he can end up eating blocks and, you know, maybe there's some skill, technique, professional development and he can be, you know, back end of your defensive line rotation. I could see that. Um, I can see it with Seibert too. It's just, I don't know, there's a lot of unknown with him because he played at Buffalo a lot and he just had one year at Michigan State where his role really increased. Um, and I think there's definitely some stuff that he can do really well, but there's other areas where he needs to grow. He's certainly going to get a chance. Um, he's going to be brought in. Someone's going to sign him. He's going to get a chance to try out. Both those guys are for sure getting chances uh, at the next level, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully they both can. Uh, hopefully mm-hmm. they both can come into rookie camp, stand out a little bit, and earn a spot on the practice squad. And I believe practice squads have been uh, extended in the latest CBA agreement as well. So that is a nice benefit for them to have as well. Yeah, it's like playing basketball in Europe. It's not the flashiest thing in the world, but at the end of the day, it is still a good chunk of change for, for playing mm-hmm. the sport you love. It's it, it, Hey, I'll take it as a career, sure. Do you know what the practice squad salary is? I believe it is total, if you were on it for every week, all 17 weeks, it is $136,000, I believe, if Google is uh, telling me the truth right now with it the is. new CBA. It, it's $8,000 a week. Yep, it's not bad. I'll not take bad. it. All right, one more, and then we'll get out of here. Who in 2021 is most likely to keep the MSU football draft streak going? You... Actually, no, maybe you wouldn't be surprised how much I've thought about this question, but I have thought about this question <laughs> on a weekly basis probably since like last year even started. Uh, I, Xavier Henderson pops to mind first. Is, oh. is that a crazy place to start? And I know um, that would mean he would be leaving early. Yeah, that's I think kind of where mine goes. I think he would have a lot of growing to do to be in a spot where, like, yeah, you're a, a day two pick, you should go to the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I think there's an obvious and easy answer. Am I missing it? Antoine Simmons. It, oh, duh. Yeah, okay, of course I am. Sorry, I, I was thinking offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Antoine <laughs> is a no-brainer. <laughs> um, yeah, Antoine Simmons is going to get drafted next year. Uh, yeah. Unless he, unless something crazy happens, but um, just based on uh, what he did his junior years, his first year actually getting to play because he was behind a really uh, solid group of linebackers in front of him. Um, his athletic profile, the way he plays, what he can do. Um, there's already, I've seen scouts and people doing that, like uh, who do Twitter breakdowns and all that, um, raving about him already, and we know he has all the intangible stuff off the charts. Um, yeah, Antoine Simmons, I would bet all the money I own uh, will get drafted next year. Yeah, thanks for picking me up there. I've had a day of brain farts over here on this side. Um, And Um, tell me if I'm just looking at this in my Kevin Jarvis stained glasses over here just because I'm such a big fanboy of him. But I feel like if he could bang out a relatively healthy season, because I think that will be a knock already off the top, I feel like he could be a guy too that's like a day two, day three sort of guy. Maybe? Hopefully? I don't know. My my track record with NFL evaluation, (laughs) we all know, not the greatest at this point. But, man, I'm just a big Kevin Jarvis guy, so I – I, I I would draft him if I was a GM. Uh, Jarvis has shown some definite ability. Um, injuries an issue. I'm not the greatest at line play. You know, I don't. I'm not. Sh- I don't think Matt Allen is necessarily a pro right now. I wouldn't say Jarvis is. Luke Campbell, I think, um, has the makeup of somebody who could be. And again, 
it's just been so inconsistent and injuries and you don't, it's hard to really know who many of these guys are. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a year with uh, Coach Cap can take some of this like, oh, yeah, they had a really good couple of games and turn it into like, yeah, this is a really good unit for an entire season. And you've got a couple of older guys who uh, are potential draft picks, which Michigan State has really struggled with on the line. They've had like three line draft picks in the last decade. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, Jarvis is talented. Matt Allen's uh, able to do some stuff. Um, Luke Campbell can definitely play. Like, there's some moments and, you know, potential, I guess. But all those guys would need to take some steps, and maybe they can. And it starts with good health and continuity and gelling. And then, yeah, like we said, Coach Cap could definitely make a difference because it seems like he has kind of everywhere he's gone. And you know what else would help, too? Uh, playing your actual position, not yeah. throwing Jarvis on the tackles <laughs> just because you absolutely positively need him because your other 18 tackles that you've already tried out in the season have seemingly gotten their legs lopped off or their backs put in a meat <laughs> grinder. So yes. that would benefit Jarvis as well as playing on the inside to get some tape out there. Yes, yeah. and, and Jarvis is one of these guys. There's a few of them on there. Um, really great recruiting profile, pedigree, highly regarded, big athletic talent. Just haven't been able to kind of put it all together for a million different reasons. Hopefully, uh, they're able to do that this year, and that would be great if a, a couple of these guys could end up as draft picks because that means the the line had a good year. <laughs> yeah, and the streak continues to what? Almost eighty now. I think that would make it eighty, or maybe this year's eighty. It's somewhere in the ballpark of eighty years. Let's just call it that. Yeah, it's high. Thank you, Brian Allen. <laughs> Yeah, one time. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Spartans. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. As always, reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Tomorrow, Matt. Yes? Tomorrow's the day. Is it now? It is the day. The first round of the NFL draft is tomorrow. No one from Michigan State is going to get picked, but we are going to talk the entire show with Dan Barnes of coast-to-coast scouting, or as much time as he'll give us, just about Michigan State's prospects, uh, where their stocks are at, what he sees, who's for sure getting drafted, who's 50-50, who has an outside chance, uh, and we'll run through you know the, the main guys for sure, and then definitely spend some time on the back-end guys who are going to be free agents uh, and get as much information as we can. So we're looking forward to doing that. And then, yeah, we'll probably do some similar type stuff on Friday, talk about the most anticipated NFL draft ever. <laughs> oh, my God, of, of course. <laughs> and whatever uh, plays out from there. And we'll see how Mel Tucker's uh, Peloton class goes. Yes, yes. Literally, as you're listening to this, Mel Tucker, Peloton class, 8 a.m. Wednesday morning. This man, it's shocking to me that this person is the head coach of Michigan State football. It's, yeah, culture it's shock wild. for sure. All right, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Matt, take us home. Uh, hashtag draft Kevin Jarvis. We're just getting to get the movement started right now. That is hashtag draft Kevin Jarvis. We're getting this movement started, baby. All right. See you guys later.